It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season has been different and Pepsi is here to get you through week 17, no matter how you plan to watch. The Bengals' last home game of the season, can they close it on a three-game win streak in Paul Brown Stadium? Either way, Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watching. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. The Bengals have won two games in a row. I'm Jake Lisko. I'm your host of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'll be joined by your co-host, James Rapine, in just a few minutes. As we always do on game days, I'll take you through what happened on Sunday as the Bengals beat the Houston Texans 37 to 31. What does it mean for their draft position? What does it mean for Zach Taylor? What does a lackluster defensive performance perhaps mean for Lou Anarumo? All those questions answered inside. But let's get started with a game recap of what shaped out to be a pretty wild ride. The Bengals got off to a hot start in Houston. Their first defensive drive, they forced the Houston Texans to go three and out. In fact, they got the Texans to go three and out on their first two drives. On their first offensive drive, they used a collection of screens and flat passes to easily go 71 yards for a touchdown. That included four passes that were either screen passes or passes into the flats. And Brandon Allen went five for five, and Drew Sample scored his first career touchdown. On the Bengals' second offensive drive, Geo in the flats again. The running game gets the Bengals over 100 yards of offense on their second drive, notably Quentin Spain blocked two guys on one Samaji P. Ryan screen pass, but the drive ended without points as Brandon Allen deep shots to A.J. Green fell incomplete on third and fourth down. It was a turnover on downs, and that kind of set the theme for the day. The Texans got beat by the running game. The Texans got beat by the vertical passing game, which the Bengals haven't been able to get going all year. And the Texans got beat by the Bengals running game, which the Texans have been beat by all year. On the next Houston drive, William Jackson did get beat on a double move to Brandon Cooks. It was really the only big play early in the game for the Houston offense. It was about a 50-yard pass, but the Bengals did hold up in the red zone. Houston had to kick a field goal. It was 10-3. The Bengals then come back out. They get some vertical stuff going to A.J. Green, T. Higgins. And then, unfortunately, a good pass wasn't hauled in by Trenton Irwin in the red zone would have been a catch in a ton of space. Instead, the Bengals settled for a field goal going up 10 to seven at that point on the next drive. Sam Hubbard got a crushing hit on Deshaun Watson just as he got rid of the ball, but Jesse Bates and William Jackson collided. 
not coming down with the interception. William Jackson sustained a concussion on the play. He didn't come back into the game. And then LaShawn Sims came in and just got torched repeatedly for the rest of the game. Deshaun Watson really picked on him, as we've seen opposing offenses do. And on that drive, Watson found Cooks, who LaShawn Sims just didn't carry in a cover two zone, wide open in the end zone for a touchdown, tying the game. Still in the first half, the Bengals ended up having to punt the ball with a minute and five seconds left, but it doesn't end up hurting them as Houston couldn't capitalize and the Bengals and Texans headed into the locker room tied 10 to 10. The second half was wild. It was a totally different story from the first half. 10-10 in the first half. In the second half, almost every drive ended with points. There were zero punts in the second half. That tells you the way that the defenses on both sides of the ball played in the second half. The first Bengals drive of the second half saw the longest rushing touchdown of the year for the Bengals. Samaji Pirine, 46 yards. He broke some tackles going off the left side. Had some nice blocks from Drew Sample and Xavier Suafilo at left guard in particular. And then Houston answered by running the ball incredibly successfully in the second half. David Johnson finished the game 12 carries, 128 yards, and one touchdown. The interior defensive line just couldn't win one-on-one matchups in the running game. And linebackers were getting either tricked by David Johnson manipulating them or were just otherwise getting out of their gaps. It was a very easy rushing drive for the Texans to tie the game at 17-all. The very next play, another example of vertical offense from Brandon Allen and Zach Taylor. Just four big vertical passes for this Bengals offense on the drive and one other that was called back because they had a little pick play penalty. But on the third and 11 play that followed that pick play that was a beautiful floater to T. Higgins on the left sideline, Allen found Green on a 15-yard comeback to extend the drive He then found Alex Erickson for a 42-yard catch, a slot seam route, and then a perfect throw, a perfect toe-tap catch for T. Higgins on an end zone fade from about the 20-yard line or so. The Bengals at this point go up 24-17. But as the second half went, Houston had answers and then the Bengals had answers. It just went back and forth until the very end of the game on the next Houston drive. Easy interior rushing yards for Houston. The interior defensive line for the Bengals remained a problem. And then down in the red zone, Marcus Bailey came in as the Bengals went with three linebackers. He ended up manned up on David Johnson, who was split out wide left. Johnson ran a slant and easily won for the Houston touchdown tie game 24-24. The Bengals went back to screens and vertical passes on the very next drive. T. Higgins on a comeback, then a go route. One of those got pushed out of bounds, didn't end up counting. The Bengals then go for it on fourth and five. They draw the Texans offsides, get a fourth and inches, play action, sprint left. They find Alex Erickson, but eventually they've got an illegal formation that foils a fourth down quarterback sneak. They have to kick a field goal, 27-24 Bengals at this point. Of course, Houston had another answer. Pharaoh Brown and Darren Fells, the Houston tight ends, just dragged Bengals defenders on the next drive for chunk yardage and a touchdown. 31-27, Houston goes up. But again, another answer for Zach Taylor and the Bengals. It was screens and Geo and Samaji Piran in the run game. And Alex Erickson Crosser out of the slot took them into the red zone. Samaji Piran finished a drive 34-31 Bengals. And then on the two-minute drive for Houston to try to win the game, Sam Hubbard got the strip sack. On the second play of the drive, the Bengals recover. 
They go down, burn a minute, 10, all of Houston timeouts, kick a field goal, go up 37-31, and Houston's desperation play comes up short. Bengals win 37-31. Coming up next, James Rapine joins the program. We'll go the rest of the way together. We'll talk about what this means. Is it significant that Zach Taylor just got his first road win? Just won back-to-back games for the first time. What about Lou Anarumo's defense? Those answers with James Rapine and myself coming up next. One week left in the NFL regular season, college bowl games starting up, including the Cincinnati Bearcats in their New Year's Day game. And you can get into all that action on betonline.ag, the one place we trust for all of our online sports betting needs. You can sign up for a free account today. You get a promo code locked on 50% deposit match, a 50% welcome bonus on your first funds that you deposit. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Find their player props, find a parlay, find a money line you like. And hey, maybe you like the Cincinnati Bengals. Fun fact, the Bengals have the best against the spread record of any NFL team this year, nine and six. As they say on Twitter, good QBs win, great QBs cover the spread. And hey, Joe Burrow's been covering the spread. And now even with Brandon Allen out there or Ryan Finley last week, the Bengals are doing the job. So maybe you want to go over to betonline.ag, check it out while you can get that 50% welcome bonus. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON. Check them out today, betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We will now welcome in James Rapine to the rest of the podcast. James, welcome to the show. I want to give you a little heads up. The holidays are all about giving. We've got a hot tip. The Locked On Podcast Network just launched Locked On Bets. is hosted by Lee Sterling of ParamountSports.com. He's been red hot to start the NBA season. You guys should go check that one out if you need some betting advice. James, a lot of people on Twitter, maybe not a lot, at least several people on Twitter asked me if I was going to woo for this game. I did not woo in the open. There are some things that could potentially be woo-worthy, but... Is this a woo-worthy game for you, James? And I would like your answer to come in the form of a woo, if it is. Woo! And only for one reason. I don't give a damn that the Bengals finally have a, you know, they, they beat the, the Texans and won back-to-back games since 2018. Uh, irrelevant. But woo, Zach Taylor has a road win. I don't give a damn if he went on the road and played Elder High School and got a victory. He needed a victory. And he got one. And so the Bengals, as we're recording this, they're flying home back home to Cincinnati. And he got a road win. And it shouldn't have taken this damn long for a variety of reasons, but it did. So I'll woo that. And the other thing that's worthy of a woo, and I know we're going to get into it, Jake. Brandon Allen was dropping dimes on Sunday. And I don't care if it was against an awful defense or not. I wasn't sure. And I didn't know Brandon Allen was capable of making some of those throws. The one to T. Higgins, specifically in the end zone. Woo, I like it. 
So those are uh, two big reasons, I think, to woo. There you go. I just wanted to give you the opportunity to do it because there haven't been very many opportunities and, and I've gotten all of them because I always start the shows on Sundays or Mondays or Thursdays or whatever day because you're doing the press conference. I just wanted to give you the chance, you know? No, I appreciate that. See, that's you. Write it down, Bengals fans. Jake Lisko, team player. Always. I mean, I try to be. I really do. Uh, so I said going into the break, James, that we would talk about the draft implications. We'll talk about what this means for Zach Taylor, whether this moves the needle for you about Zach Taylor. I, I think you bring up a good point. Brandon Allen, did he sell you on backup of the future? I, I don't know how pressing that decision is, but he played very well, as you said, by far the best game of his career. Even PFF James went so far as to write that he outplayed Deshaun Watson in this game. And I thought Watson actually wow. played pretty well. So PFF loved Brandon Allen, and I can see why. Yeah, there was a lot of screen game going on, but those deep passes, the vertical balls from Brandon Allen, nearly perfect. He hit five after being 0 of 6 coming into this game. So really impressive from Brandon Allen. That's probably a topic of conversation. And then Lou Anarumo's defense was very bad until they got one play to win the game. So the Lou Anarumo defense, Lou Anarumo future, we talked to Paul Daner Jr. about it a few weeks ago. It's been murky, but they've been playing well. They played a real quarterback this week, and they had a good first half. And then, like I said in, in, in the start of the show, there were zero punts in the second half. Almost every drive ended in points. And, and the end of the game kind of throws that off. But let's start with the draft implications, right? Cincinnati winning for now drops them to sixth in the draft order. Houston, whose pick goes to Miami, is now fourth. Atlanta, who has lost four in a row, is up to third. Carolina currently one pick ahead of the Bengals, but they're going to win today, I believe. They're currently winning 20-3 at halftime. The Panthers see Ron Rivera's desire for a revenge game, and they say no. Doesn't look like they will get that revenge game win for Ron Rivera. And then the Philadelphia Eagles are in a tight one with Dallas. So depending on how those games go, the Bengals could end the day picking anywhere from five to seven. That's a lot lower than three. And it does potentially throw draft plans into the air because in my mind, they've been locked into that third spot. And now they're locked out of that third spot effectively, most likely. And that means they're probably not drafting Penny Sewell. We talked about this last week, Jake. There's there's a good argument that could be made about the momentum and building a foundation and and all of that aspect of it when you talk about Taylor staying. And I, I think now it's probably going to happen, right? And we'll talk about his assistance and things like that. But I think that's kind of what we're looking at. And so now, what are you trading off here? You know, is there a way for him to resurrect things in Cincinnati after a lot of us, I think, had pretty much closed the door on Zach Taylor succeeding. And I, I still think it's uh, the, the odds are against him turning things around, given that record. But the record has improved over the past six days. Think about that. Two wins, six days. It took him all of last season to get two wins. And he had two wins up until Monday. And, and, and then he doubles that over the past uh, couple of days. So that part of it is good. But yeah, and I get it. Because if, if Sewell ends up being this once-in-a-generation left tackle type guy, then it's really going to stink. Here's the here's the pushback against that, though. No one knows that. You don't know that. The casual fan knows as much as we do, really, about this guy. We didn't really watch him, right? So this idea that we're just going to uh, crown him 
with being the next Anthony Munoz, I think is outlandish. And if the Bengals are worth their salt evaluating wise, and you can have your debate there and we will have all off season to talk about it. They're going to get a damn good player at six or seven as well. So that would be the pushback. If you're building uh, a culture and momentum and things like that, and you're still going to get a great player. If you evaluate things right, things are going to be okay. I would love to talk to a former player about this. Willie Anderson was talking about it a little bit on Twitter after the game, talking about how wins and losses don't carry over to the next season. And, you know, players don't care. That's Willie's opinion. He said he was playing devil's advocate. I thought it was really interesting. He also points out, you know, obviously players and coaches, you know, their job is to go win games. So, you know, they obviously are going out there to try to win football games. They're not going to try to lose to secure a draft pick. I mean, they've lost enough, right? There's a little bit of this sentiment going around today, too, and I agree with it. They've lost enough. It's okay to, to, to enjoy the wins. And we talked about this a lot on the podcast. It's not a quarterback that they're missing out on. It's not like they've New York Jets this thing and they've missed their generational quarterback prospect. They've got him. They've got their quarterback in Joe Burrow. And, and obviously everybody liked the way Burrow played for the better part of the year. The other part of this that I find to be pretty compelling is, and I've talked about this too, I like the other tackles in this draft class, James. If they choose to go with the tackle, there are other tackles that can be good and and Vance Meek has been on a tear saying you know what it's okay missing Penny Suel maybe that's bad you know maybe they get a worse player and he points out other draft classes Joe Thomas was taken third in his draft class Joe Staley went in that draft class Marshall Yonda went in that draft class those guys weren't picked third they're both Hall of Fame players so you, you don't need to get the top guy and like you said James they just have to hit the draft picks I've said for a long time, they need talent. They need to get talent onto this football team, no matter how they do it. That means hitting their draft picks. It doesn't matter where they pick. They just need to get the picks right. And hopefully it convinces the front office that they need to continue to be aggressive. I think that's the other part here. If they think that they have the stud left tackle coming in, then maybe they're like, okay, we, we can build around rookies. Well, let's be real here. They're more than just a player away anyway. And so if that means going out and getting Joe Tooney or going out and getting Taylor Moten from Carolina or going out and getting a, a top tackle, that's going to help as well and, and stay aggressive in free agency, even though you had some issues with health in your free agent class of 2020, I think that that's a win too. So it, it really is just going to depend on what they end up with as a whole, right? Not just, oh, in free agency or, oh, with the third pick. But what else do they do outside of it? And, and I think that's the key here in maybe getting a couple of wins down the stretch. And we're being optimistic here. Damn it, the Bengals won. We can be optimistic after months and months and months of, it seems like, of being negative uh, and, and maybe just telling it like it is because there's been a lot of negative things to say about this team. But if a couple of wins late in the season convince Mike Brown, convince this team to spend again this offseason, convince them that they're closer than they were a year ago, then that is worth it to me because that's going to be the key it takes a long time to build in the draft man they're gonna have to go out and and spend as well and do both and and hopefully they realize that and maybe a couple wins down the stretch kind of hits that home and and reinforces that point yeah absolutely right and they have to hit in free agency too the guys they go out and get in free agency have to be able to come in and contribute they've gotten that from Mackenzie alexander xavier suofilo i think 
had a pretty good game today. I'm not I'm not sure. Obviously, I've only seen the game once. He had a really nice block on Samaje Piran's long touchdown run. I think that Quentin Spain has been a solid addition. We we don't really know about Trey Wayne's. DJ Reader looks really good and and you hope he gets back healthy. But you're right. I mean, no matter how they do it, they need to add a lot of talent. And the thing is, James, they are closer than they were a year ago because they've got Joe Burrow. And they've got some pieces, but it's not enough pieces yet. That's the thing. Yeah, you've got T. Higgins, you've got Jesse Bates, you've got Joe Burrow, you know, you've got Joe Mixon, who may or may not, you know, be that key after we've seen this rushing offense work in the last couple of weeks. And that's a conversation for another day. They've got some pieces. They need more pieces. If it's Taylor Moten, if it's, you know, Jamar Chase or, or Kyle Pitts, whoever it is, they just need to find talent and add it because Zach Taylor almost assuredly is getting another year. And we don't know what's going to happen with his assistance. We heard those jobs were on the line. We'll talk about that aspect of this game coming up next. But first, a word from Built Bar. It's the number one protein bar on the planet. Jake Lisko didn't even know I was going to talk about him right here, but I'm doing it. You know why? Because I love Built Bars. It's my favorite, favorite go-to post-workout snack. They have 18 amazing flavors. And the best part about them, it's not that they're covered in 100% chocolate or their amazing taste. It's that they're macro-friendly. You're working on that 2021 summer bod. You're in there trying to shake off that quarantine weight. Well, guess what? They're going to help you do it with their great taste and their great macros. Low sugar, high protein, perfect for any of the the diets you're trying. If you're just counting calories, it's perfect for that as well. So make sure you check them out right now. BuiltBar.com. Check out all of their amazing flavors. And when you do use promo code Locked On, you're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, James, let's wrap up the show with a conversation that we've had effectively every week for the last few months, really since the start of the season and things weren't going great in the first month or two of the season. Zach Taylor's future as head coach in Cincinnati, at least for one more year at this point, appears to be secure with two December wins. This is long enshrined in Cincinnati, December wins, getting coaches one more year. You could point to the Atlanta Falcons. They finished last year 8-8. Eight and eight. They kept their coaching staff intact. This year was a disaster. They fired their head coach. That would be the downside. The upside would be, I don't know, like a Kyle Shanahan scenario. You get Joe Burrow back. You start to put things together. That would be the dream. His job looks secure. Does this performance, does the last six days, as you point out, of getting two wins change your opinion? Of Zach Taylor. I mean, he was severe underdogs in both games. No, it doesn't. Not the long-term outlook. I mean, we're look. It, the rea- it got, and it sucks, Jake, because as we sit here, 
I just said optimism and be optimistic. But his record is 624-1. and We're talking about him winning back-to-back games for the first time since being named head coach, his first road win. Like, those are benchmarks that shouldn't be happening at the end of 2020. And yet, there are reasons to be impressed, right? There are reasons for optimism. One, anytime. And I don't give a damn what the circumstance is. It's the NFL. It's a quarterback league. And I get it. The Texans are down. But anytime you take Brandon Allen, you go to Houston, you beat Deshaun Watson. That's just, that matters. It does. The offense was spectacular on Sunday. Again, that matters. Defense was trash. We have to point that out. But, and by the defense, I'm talking about the Houston Texans defense was trash, their opponent. But it's still something. So there are reasons to be encouraged. But that does not mean and does not change the historical precedent that we have, which is it's unprecedented for a coach to start 424-1 or anything in that realm and overcome it and go to the playoffs and make Super Bowls and stuff in that same city and that same team. And maybe this is the first time, you know, Joe Burrow could defy the odds. He's already done it multiple times before. He he could defy the odds with Zach Taylor and make Zach Taylor a great coach and he could develop and they could all grow together. I just, I don't know if that's going to be the case. And uh, history says otherwise, but I do think Zach has shown enough. And there are two different things. I do think Zach has shown enough over the next couple of or last couple of weeks and really past seven days to where it isn't going to be nearly as egregious to keep him as it would have been two weeks ago when the Bengals were still probably keeping him. And, and I think that's that's something that that is good because, look, if he hadn't won another game and lost eight straight to end the year, it would have been really tough to bring him back, and yet the Bengals might have. At least now you see some type of reason and, and movement for hope. Here, here's what I like. Here's what Zach Taylor has shown me that I actually like, James. He's won games with three different quarterbacks this year. He won games with two different quarterbacks in the last two games with dramatically different game plans. There was some similar stuff in the run game, but dramatically different passing attack when you go from Ryan Finley to Brandon Allen. And you can see why there was no controversy, why they were happy to get Brandon Allen back, right? Because he, as we've talked about, played an outstanding game. And what impressed me the most about this particular win is... The offense did it on its own. They weren't taking advantage of short fields. They were taking advantage of a bad defense, but they were making them pay for being a bad defense. The vertical passing game is probably the best it's been all year, Joe Burrow included. He, he struggled a little bit with the vertical passing game earlier this year, but I mean, Alex Erickson has nearly 100 yards. T. Higgins made several spectacular downfield catches on great throws, including one that was nullified by a penalty. So I really like that the balance that they found on offense in this game, the buttons they push tended to work. When when they called those plays, there were a few drives in the first half when things got a little bit uh, off track, I guess. But in the second half, everything they called worked. And so I, I was pretty impressed with the game plans. Even some of the things that didn't work in the first half were, to me, more of a product of some of the receivers, A.J. Green, T. Higgins, you know, dropping some passes, not making some plays on balls I think they could have made. So I really like the offensive game plan, and I like that we've seen such different game plans in two straight games lead to success for the offense in both weeks. And I think that is important. It was important for, for Zach to show on a short week 
that he can do that. And those are things, look, when we went into this final stretch, it was like, he needs to show he can win without things. And he has shown that he, right. He has shown that he can do that. And so that's a, a, the bare minimum, right. When we're talking about championships and things that he mentions in press conferences and playoffs and things like that, but it is a sign and it is an improvement from four twenty four and one. And so now how can he build off that this offseason? How will this team play a Baltimore team that is going to be playing for the playoffs this week? How will they do that? And, and so that's just the next step. And it's it's good because they should lose to Baltimore. They should probably get blown out by Baltimore. But that's a good spot to be in, I think, if you're Zach, because things are probably secure. And yet you can adjust your game plan, adapt your game plan, get creative, do things like that. And and I agree with you. I thought the game plan was spot on. And really the Bengals beat themselves a few times, like you mentioned, you know, miss field goal here and the fourth down, the, the third down to AJ. He's, I think he's got to catch that the fourth down to AJ. I never would have had that play in the fourth down in the first half. Right. And then you had a miss field goal, a couple things. Second half, you didn't have those issues. It was touchdown city and, and gone are the days of, Zach Taylor can't coach in the third quarter because they were great in the third quarter today. Yeah, that's something else I think. Maybe that deserves a woo more than anything else. They scored two <laughs> touchdowns in the third quarter, huh? I mean, they haven't scored in the third quarter since week four, and they do it two, two touchdowns, a touchdown in the third quarter, sorry, since week four. And before we talk about Lou Anarumo's defense, it got shelled in this game, as, as you might expect with a good quarterback on the other side. I actually like the fourth down play call to A.J. Green. I think that, you know, you see you've got one safety deep. You've got AJ against press man in the slot on a slot fade. And they just expect AJ to go win that. Maybe that's a little naive given the way he's played this year. But he did win on another vertical route in this game. Actually, two. One was a comeback. I count those as vertical routes because it's a it's not a crossing pattern. It's not, there's nothing horizontal about it. It's an up and back. But I actually liked the play call. I thought maybe it was a little bit overthrown. Maybe AJ's lost a step. I don't know. It's it's not a high percentage play, but given the way they were executing, I didn't hate it. But let's talk about defense because Lou Anarumo's seat has been hot, but he's been good against bad quarterbacks the last four weeks. This week, good quarterback. And it really wasn't Deshaun Watson that killed him, although Deshaun Watson did kill him a few times, uh, especially late in the game, making some plays, evading some sacks. David Johnson, man, David Johnson went (laughs) off and I know the defensive line, the interior defensive line has been dealing with injuries, but that was ugly. They had some bad tackling attempts on some tight ends as well. Some things not going great for that defense in the second half because the defense plays a little bit better. The Bengals went going away and it's not close. You're right. They struggled and, and they made David Johnson look like it was 2017 again. (laughs) <laughs> where he was running all over him and he he looked the part. And yeah, I, that's the thing is I, I messaged you in the third quarter and we didn't know who was going to win. The Bengals felt like they were going to win, but you never know, especially with Deshaun Watson on the other side. And it was a one score game. I, I, I said to you, I was like, this is going to get, this quarter is going to get Luan Rumo fired. And I, I still think that because look, Bengals fans aren't ignorant. <laughs> they're not stupid. They're smart. They and, and the ones that weren't around for the 90s can look it up. And so this idea that the coaching staff is just going to be intact and they're not going to move on from someone and there isn't going to be 
a a new fresh face in the room to sell. Oh, that's that's not the case. There is going to be a fall guy still, right? You, you don't have a four win season after a two win season, and, and and that's it. We're good. So I, I think that Lou Anarumo is is sort of in line for that, and things have kind of set up for that, especially if Baltimore comes into Paul Brown Stadium. Playoffs potentially on the line. I haven't looked at it yet for Baltimore, but I think they're going to be on the line. And Lamar Jackson runs wild and and, and does that and, and plays at a high level. And it, it's funny, Luana Rumo's defense contained Lamar in this first matchup against them, even though they were blown out. We'll see if he can do it again with his job potentially on the line. And Lamar Jackson was dealing with a bit of a leg injury in that game, of course, as we all remember. But that was the first game when anyone said anything nice about Lou, really, this year. People were like, oh, man, yeah. That was a great game plan against Lamar Jackson. The other side was really ugly. Joe Burrow had no idea what was coming at him with the blitzes that they weren't prepared for. And we'll see if they're more prepared for that this time around with uh, Brandon Allen playing quarterback instead. There will be plenty of time to talk about that game coming up. That's all the time we have for today. Tomorrow, James, Mock Draft Monday gets interesting. We are not just talking about Penny Sewell anymore. We are going to have to talk about some of the other options when the dust settles from week 16. Until then, Bengals fans, who day? And have a good one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.